Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. Another classified briefing on Capitol Hill today about the three objects that were shot down, how the administration is handling the aftermath and what senators are telling us about the issue. We have unity and confusion. The latest inflation numbers painting a mixed picture of the economy, reactions from President Biden and what consumers could be facing at the grocery store. Former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley announces she's running for president. Will Florida Governor Ron DeSantis make his announcement next? No more cross-sex procedures for minors in South Dakota. The state officially bans surgical and non-surgical procedures. Anecdotes of dead animals and people suffering physical symptoms in Ohio after the chemical burn at the train derailment site. How authorities respond. As the Biden administration continues to probe debris from the Chinese spy balloon, new missions are underway to recover debris from the three other unknown aerial objects shot down days ago. White House officials briefed senators today. NTD's Melina Weiskup has more from Capitol Hill. We heard from several senators coming out of that classified briefing today, and they all shared a similar message. The biggest takeaway being that these unidentified flying objects are not new. The only difference now is how the administration is handling them by shooting them down. And as for why there is this change in strategy, well, Senator Cotton says that he believes the administration is taking this action to shoot them down now to avoid experiencing another round of criticism that they uh, experienced for delaying shooting down that Chinese spy balloon and Senator Kennedy tells me that White House officials did not provide any explanation for why they are now changing this strategy and although there is very little known about these objects so far both senators and the White House are unified behind the message that these objects did not pose a threat but from the broader perspective of whether these things are here to conduct attacks against the US there's no indication that that's the case but again you're right I mean how can I tell you not to worry about something if I can't tell you what it is? We have, we have unity and confusion. They've already reviewed over 300 unidentified aerial phenomenon. Over half of them are have been determined to be balloons or balloon-like technology. And we're told that they've been identifying objects like this since at least 2017. As for why they're detecting more now, National Security Coordinator John Kirby explains that in light of the Chinese spy balloon, they turned up the sensitivity on their radars, which is now allowing them to detect more. Here's Kirby. When you adjust your sensitivities on the radar, uh, you're likely to see more of those kinds of contacts. We think that that's in part uh, why there have been these re most recent incidents. Now, for their part, the White House says they will know more about these objects as they continue to recover that debris. That mission is ongoing right now, although it is difficult because of the weather. The White House says that from what they know so far, these objects, uh, there's no indication that these objects are linked to any spy programs or are a part of China's spy balloon program. Senators today expressing that the American people should be better informed. And the American people need to know more so they'll have more confidence in our national security. And President Biden owes the American people an explanation. And many senators have echoed Senator Tom Cotton's message urging President Biden to address the nation. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Wisecup, NTD News. 
And earlier today, I spoke with former diplomat and former Deputy Assistant Secretary for Policy and International Affairs at the U.S. Department of Energy, Bart Marcois, for his analysis of the China threat. Bart Marcois, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Stephanie. It's nice to be back. Now, the White House has confirmed that a spy balloon program linked to China's military has been targeting the U.S. and its allies for espionage. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's nice that they finally got around to realizing that China is targeting the U.S. for espionage in the first place. As long as you have Joe Biden in the White House, the Chinese don't need a balloon. It doesn't inspire confidence to hear the Pentagon spokesman stand up and say, well, we're just, we, yeah, they do have a spy program and act like we just found this out. They're showing weakness to our adversaries and to our allies alike, and that's never a good situation for America and especially not for the rest of the world. So are you concerned that the Biden family's ties or potential ties to China could influence Biden's posture in relation to China? Yes, ma'am, I am. I'm very concerned. I, I think that the people that are running the White House and that are running the administration are eager to please China for one reason or another. There's a new House committee on Capitol Hill uh, that a special committee to investigate Chinese influence in the United States. That committee should be looking at every single aspect of the Biden's relationship with China and every aspect of government policy. But we have 25 or 30 in the administration alone. Who knows how many we have on Capitol Hill? You have members of the Senate, members of the House of Representatives that have a clear history of being compromised by Chinese intelligence connections. All the Chinese influence peddlers need is a single member of the China committee to derail the investigations of the committee. We will only know whether there is such a member and who that member is by the actions of the committee. We have to pay close attention. The media have to pay close attention and report on it. And we can't wait. We have to be writing to our members of Congress saying, we want China held accountable. Make China pay. They visited upon us biological warfare with the Wuhan virus. They're visiting fentanyl upon us. They're, they're visiting shortages upon us. So we have shortages of food, of medicine, of, of um, consumer goods. They are waging war on us, and we're not even aware of it. It's time that everybody who hears our voices write to their member of Congress and say, very simple message, make China pay. That's all you have to say. Make China pay. I'm watching you. With your experience in international politics and energy policy in the U.S. government, how do you think the China threat should be handled going forward at that level? Our energy policy is probably the single most effective weapon in our arsenal. All the, if you care about the war in Ukraine, if you care about what the Chinese are doing, if you care about the malign influence of the bad actors, the, the, the rogue states around the world, China, Iran, Venezuela, Cuba, uh, Russia, uh, North Korea, the best thing we can do is produce energy here at home, fossil fuels and nuclear energy. The United States has a nearly unlimited supply of coal, 500 years worth of coal. We have 
nearly the same amount of oil and gas. We're constantly discovering new deposits of oil and gas in the United States. But Joe Biden, the first thing he did when he came into office was try to stop the, the entire fossil fuel industry. All of the destabilization operations that, that Russia, China, and Iran are funding around the world, they're all being paid for by money from fossil fuels that other countries are producing because we are not. I believe it's hovering around $80 a barrel uh, recently. At $80 oil, Putin can afford all of the weapons that he wants. China can afford to send all kinds of weapons to their allies around the world. So can Iran. Iran can manufacture all the drones they want. But if we had sanctions on Iran and, and, um, and oil at $40 a barrel, none of those countries would have the money to pursue war and to destabilize the world and to attack American interests and our allied interests around the world. A sobering thought. Bart Marcois, former Assistant Secretary for Policy and International Affairs in the U.S. Department of Energy and former diplomat and member of the State Department. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Stephanie. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Inflation persisting as consumer prices remain above expectations. What do the latest inflation numbers tell us? NTD's Iris Tao has that story. Inflation has slowed down from its painful 2022 peak, but gas and food prices are still taking their toll on consumers. The Consumer Price Index, which measures the broad basket of goods and services, climbed by 6.4% in January compared with a year ago. That thus marked the seventh month of decline from its peak of 9.1% in June last year, but is still higher than what economists forecasted and much higher than the 2% that the Federal Reserve is aiming for. President Biden while touting the latest numbers on Tuesday. Good news is that inflation in America is continuing to come down. It's fallen seven straight months. There's more to go. Food prices at the grocery store are coming down. Gas prices are down $1.60 since their peak. Despite the president's optimism, Americans could see their prices much higher in grocery stores. The price of eggs rose 70 percent in January compared with a year ago, while the price of flour climbed 20 percent. On energy, gas prices rose 2.4 percent in January compared with December, averaging $3.50 a gallon nationwide. And despite a recent slowdown in inflation, Republicans are stressing that overall prices are still much higher than when Biden first took office. And the White House on Tuesday getting pressed on a decline in real wages. How do you view the setback in today's numbers? Uh, real wages are indeed up over the last seven months, which is important since trends are always more useful than one month's data. While Biden says real wages are up over the past seven months, the year-over-year -year real wages have been negative for the past 22 months. All this as the Federal Reserve has already raised interest rates eight times in a row. We'll see another inflation report before the Fed meets again. And markets are expecting to see another rate hike in March. Reporting from the White House, Iris Tao, NTD News. Former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley is running for president. She announced today that she's entering the 2024 Republican nomination race. NTD's Arlene Richards has more. For months, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley has been hinting at her wish to run for president. We don't need more politicians who love to go on TV and talk about our problems. We need real leaders with a record of delivering solutions. 
At the Republican Jewish Coalition meeting last November, she said she did the hard work to resolve problems as governor of South Carolina and as ambassador. And between us, I'm just getting started. She started her campaign with an official announcement Tuesday. I'm Nikki Haley, and I'm running for president. Haley is the first Republican to take on former President Trump for the GOP nomination. At 39, Haley was the youngest governor in the U.S. when she took office in January 2011, and she was South Carolina's first female governor. As governor, Haley criticized Republican nominee Donald Trump for what she called irresponsible talk, saying he's everything a governor doesn't want in a president. But after six years as governor, she was tapped by President-elect Donald Trump to serve as U.N. ambassador, and she accepted. Now she references her experience in foreign affairs in her campaign video. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. The daughter of immigrant parents from India, she started her political career in a race for state legislature. A former state chairman of the South Carolina Republican Party told the Epoch Times he underestimated Haley as a political force. But now, he says, you have to remember she has never, ever lost a race she has been in. Critics question Haley's ability to be a tough contender in a race expected to be dominated by former President Trump and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. But her former boss told her to follow her heart. Now that Haley has announced her campaign, will Governor DeSantis follow? Wouldn't you like to know? <laughs> Haley is scheduled to give a formal campaign launch speech on Wednesday in Charleston, South Carolina. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And speaking of the 2024 elections, California Senator Dianne Feinstein, a Democrat, announced today that she isn't running for re-election. She plans to accomplish as much as she can before her term ends. She said in a Twitter post, quote, each of us was sent here to solve problems. That's what I've done for the last 30 years, and that's what I plan to do for the next two years. Feinstein plans to continue her efforts on what she calls several priorities for California, including wildfires, homelessness, and health care. For the rest of her term, she plans to work on passing gun control legislation. She thanked the people of California for allowing her to serve. And cross-sex procedures for minors are now illegal in the state of South Dakota. This includes not only surgical procedures, but also those done with hormones. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem on Monday signed a bill into law banning cross-sex procedures for minors, surgical procedures, as well as puberty blockers and hormones. Noem says South Dakota's kids are our future. With this legislation, we are protecting kids from harmful, permanent medical procedures. Doctors violating the new law can lose their medical licenses. South Dakota is the fourth state imposing rules banning cross-sex procedures for minors. The Trevor Project on Monday condemned the law, saying politicians are intruding into the private medical decisions best left to transgender young people and their families. The Trevor Project describes itself as a suicide prevention organization, promoting the idea that kids without access to cross-sex surgeries often take their own lives. NTD spoke with John Schwepp, the director of policy at the American Principles Project, an organization advocating for family rights. But the reality is that parents are being told, hey, you know, your kid's going to kill themselves. And this is false. Uh, the studies on this aren't, aren't clear on that at all. In fact, Heritage released uh, a study earlier, uh, or last year, I should say, that showed that 
actually, uh, suicide is, is an issue that, that stems, you know, from when these kids go on these blockers and when they go on these hormones and when they have these surgeries. South Dakota State Senator Liz Larson, a Democrat, reportedly said about the bill, I don't know about you, but I don't need the state legislature when I'm in the doctor's office. Schwepp responded to that, saying there's a section under Obamacare that basically forces insurance companies to cover cross-sex procedures. And so the reality is every single person in the state of South Dakota, whether they know it or not, is paying on some level for these sex change procedures. Now, that's crazy. And I, so the idea that we, you know, it's a limited government principled argument. No, Democrats and the folks who support this stuff, they want to make sure that taxpayers are funding this. He added that people should still treat kids who suffer from gender dysphoria compassionately and that most eventually grow out of it. Reporting by Arian Pazdar, NTD News. Ohio officials gave an update on the train derailment just a few hours ago. A reporter asked a health expert about anecdotes of animals dying within hours after the government started burning chemicals. Some people in the area apparently also experienced headaches and other symptoms. The, in terms of some of the symptoms of headache, uh, etc. Unfortunately, volatile organic compounds share with a host of other things the ability to cause very common symptoms at the lower levels. So headache, eye irritation, nose irritation, um, etc. I think that we have to look at the measured facts. And the measured facts include the fact that the air sampling in that area really is not pointing toward an air source for this. And secondly, um, in terms of water, we're encouraging people to use bottled water, uh, particularly if they're on a private water source. Now, could somebody have a private water source that could be contaminated and we haven't tested it yet? Well, it's a voluntary program and that is possible. I would encourage them to make a switch immediately. Authorities did confirm that some dead fish turned up in nearby creeks. They say that's because some of the chemicals spilled into the streams. The state's governor, Mike DeWine, was also asked about the huge dark cloud visible over the site of the fire. A reporter asked where these dark particles ended up and how they affected the area where they landed. No one at the conference answered the question directly. One expert said areas where the smoke traveled to showed no signs of dangerous air pollution. If you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. Coming up, people targeted in China over their spiritual beliefs. More arrests in January as the Communist Party continues its persecution of Falun Gong. And if you tuned in for the big game Sunday, you certainly weren't alone. See where Super Bowl 57 ranked all-time in terms of TV viewership. That and more coming up. The Chinese Communist Party continues to commit gross human rights violations against practitioners of Falun Gong. A U.S.-based website tracking the persecution reports that over 100 were sentenced for their beliefs in January. Over 30 of them were over 60 years old. A brutal persecution that began two decades ago still happening today in mainland China. The victims are followers of a spiritual practice called Falun Gong. 
According to U.S.-based Falun Gong information website Minghui, 117 practitioners were sentenced for their beliefs in January this year. Among them, more than 30 were over 60 years old. The longest prison term they received reaching seven and a half years. Those 117 arrests took place across 15 provinces. What's more, the CCP also seized money from the Falun Gong practitioners. Measures reportedly included extortion and blackmail through the courts and police. The amount totaled up to $100,000. According to its website, Falun Gong is an ancient cultivation method based on the principles of truthfulness, compassion and forbearance. It originated in China, but has gained popularity in more than 70 countries worldwide. But in 1999, the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, waged a violent campaign against Falun Gong. Since then, millions of people have been detained, tortured, and killed for their beliefs. Some even had their organs harvested while they were still alive. The persecution continues to this day. Now to the war in Ukraine. The U.S. and NATO are pledging unwavering support for Ukraine. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin echoed Ukraine's need for additional military support. Ukraine has urgent requirements to help it, help it meet this crucial moment in the course of the war. And President Zelensky underscored Ukraine's need for more equipment at our last meeting in Ramstein. The Kremlin is still betting that it can wait us out. But one year on, we are as united as ever. And that shared resolve will help sustain Ukraine's momentum in the crucial weeks ahead and help Ukraine travel the challenging road that lies beyond. The meeting in Brussels came amid Russia's new offensive around the first anniversary of the war. NATO is planning to boost its ammunition stockpile to support Ukraine. The country's shells production has been struggling to keep pace with the war. Ukraine has renewed its plea for more firepower. NATO's Secretary General agreed that Russia is gearing up for a new offensive. He called the current fight, quote, a grinding war of attrition. And he urged allies to supply more arms to Ukraine. Among other countries, Germany has signed contracts with weapons manufacturers. They will start producing ammunition for the anti-aircraft guns Germany sent to Ukraine. And now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. Super Bowl 57 was the third most watched TV show in history, bringing in an average of 113 million viewers. This according to Nielsen ratings. Only Super Bowl 49 when the Patriots got a goal line interception to win in the final seconds and Super Bowl 51 when the Patriots came back to stun the Falcons had more people tuned in. Now, although Kansas City is one of the smaller NFL markets, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is one of the league's biggest stars. That combined with a tight back and forth contest that wasn't decided until Harrison Butker's field goal with eight seconds left made the game a must-see event. And while the main event itself held its own, the halftime performance by Rihanna brought in a whopping average of more than 118 million viewers, second only to the 121 that tuned in to see Katy Perry's performance eight years ago. And in golf news, Scotty Scheffler won the Phoenix Open Sunday to take home the $3.5 million prize. The win also vaulted him to number one in the world golf rankings. Scheffler passed Rory McIlroy for the top spot, which means that for the 14th straight season, 
There'll be no wire-to-wire -wire number one player in the world. In fact, not since Tiger Woods in 2009 has a player stayed at the top of the rankings the entire calendar year. Woods incredibly accomplished the feat eight times in a 10-year period from 2000 to 2009. And for your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA has five games planned, featuring the top two teams in the East squaring off as the streaking Milwaukee Bucks, who have won 10 straight games, host the Boston Celtics. And finally, for you hockey fans, nine games are on tap, featuring a finals rematch as the Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche host the Tampa Bay Lightning. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. Thanks, Dave. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.